Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, so much uh, for your grace and for your love uh, poured out to us uh, through Jesus. Uh, may we be like him uh, in the way that we love each other and uh, help us to do it, Lord. We thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. In our parenting, uh, we will often uh, use the idea of reward uh, to alter our children's behavior, all right? So if you, then I. So when you're potty training your kids, uh, you might have a sticker chart, and when they get a certain amount of stickers after having been potty trained for a little bit, they'll get to pick something out of a prize bin. Or if you're trying to get them to read, when they've read a certain amount of books, uh, you might reward them with uh, going to a movie, or uh, they get to pick where dinner is, or if you're really, really up for the challenge, you might do Chuck E. Cheese, right? Um, God love you, right? Um, when you're trying to teach them to save, you might say, hey, if you get to a certain dollar amount, I'll match you dollar for dollar and I'll chip in and I'll buy you, I'll buy you this thing. This is great for uh, behavior management with our kids. And it's totally necessary, by the way, uh, especially when kids are young and impressionable, using if you, then I series of rewards will help them to learn uh, the wise and good thing to do. Um, often positive reinforcement, reinforcement works really well. Sometimes you gotta use negative reinforcement but this is how you alter kids' behavior. It is great for teaching behavior management. It's not as great for teaching love that we're talking about in this series. No parent would ever say, if you, then I, when it comes to love. No parent would ever say that, right? If you obey, if you do what I say, if you'll honor me, then I'll love you. No parent would ever say that because we understand that love doesn't start with an if, love starts with a because, Right? Because I am your father, or because I am your mother, because I am your grandparent, because we are a family, just because, just because I love you. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. It is just because. It's not if you, then I. It's because. And, and uh, this is essentially what Peter's going to teach us. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them to First Peter 1. And as uh, you, you study the New Testament, uh, I've been excited about this particular message for a long time because I have found this uh, interaction between living a holy life and a life of love to be fascinating. And you see it all throughout scriptures, but I think it's clearest here in 1 Peter 1. The idea of holiness being married to the idea of love. Now let me pause just for a moment and kind of define holiness, what I mean by that. Holiness is first of all a spiritual position we have in Christ. Right? It's very important that we understand this, that when you give your life to Christ, when you put your faith in him, you enter into a spiritual position of holiness, that all of your sins have been forgiven uh, from, from the cross. And in Christ, because of Christ Jesus, when God looks at you, despite your sin, when God looks at you, he sees you as completely holy. In Christ Jesus, you and I are holy. You might not feel that way today, Right? You may not feel that way during this season where maybe you've had a lot of angst and anger about the way things are. You might not feel holy, but in Christ Jesus, you have a spiritual position called holiness. But it's not just a spiritual position. It is also a spiritual commitment. That when we give our lives to Christ, we understand we are in a position of holiness. But when we give our lives to Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we make the decision to pursue holiness. 
We make the decision to pursue the Jesus way, to do things his way, to follow his commands. We decide that we are gonna, to the best of our ability, empowered by the spirit, that we are going to alter our behavior that we are gonna alter our, our behavior. Now, obviously we don't always do it perfectly and that's where the position of holiness comes in, right? We, are, we are always have that position, we don't do it perfectly, but our commitment as followers of Jesus, our commitment is to live holy lives. Our commitment is to do things his way, not ours. Now, for the purpose of today's sermon, that's the type of holiness that I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you enter into a relationship with Christ, it's this commitment that you make that you are now my Lord and I'm gonna do things your way. I'm gonna follow your commands. I'm gonna follow your decrees. And it's a commitment that we have to pursue holiness. Now here's the mistake that we make. The mistake that we make is when we think about the connection between holiness and love, most of us think of it as an if equation. That if I am holy, Right? If, I, if I live out that holiness call perfectly, if I'm holy, then God will love me. Therefore, if others are holy, then I will love them. Listen, this is super important that we not dial out right now. That's not the connection between holiness and love. The connection between holiness and love is not if. The connection between holiness and love is because. Because God is holy, he loves you. It's not because you are holy, right? You have been made holy in Christ. It is because God is holy that he loves you. It is because God is righteous that he loves you. It's because of who God is that, that he cares about you. Therefore, because we are holy and we've been made holy in Christ, because we are holy, we love others. Not because they're holy, right? It is because we are holy and we are pursuing the Jesus way of life. So let's dive into this. I want to show you this first Peter one passage. And what we're going to see in the beginning here is a series of whys when it comes to holiness, uh, why we pursue holiness as followers of Jesus. And then hopefully by the end of this, I'm going to try to make the turn and see what we'll see the connection even clearer between holiness and love. But let's start in verse 12. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, all right, so you got holiness language there. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance before Christ. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. All right, so reason number one that we pursue holiness because he, talking about Jesus, because he is holy, now we try our best to live holy lives. And Peter, an early disciple of Jesus, he had a front row seat to the holiness of Jesus. Right? Think about the Sermon on the Mount and, and all the sermons that Jesus gave and the holiness, uh, just the Sermon on the Mount, the, the, the talking about forgiveness and loving our enemies and generosity and not being angry. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are three chapters of this is what holiness looks like in the kingdom of God. So pursue this life with, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Pursue this life of holiness. That, that's, he, he had a front row seat for that. He saw in Jesus' resistance tempta to temptation, we often don't think about this, but the Bible says that he has been tempted in every way that we are. And so Peter had a front row seat to seeing how Jesus was tempted and he would resist that temptation and continue to live a holy life. And then he saw in the way Jesus lived. 
the miracles he performed, the kindnesses he showed, the compassion, it was all holiness. And, and Peter had an, a firsthand opportunity to see it, it all. And here's, here's one point I want to make before we move to the next verse. I think we can all agree, I think we can, that Jesus was and is the most holy person that's ever lived. All right, so he's the most holy, but also don't forget this connection. He's also the most loving. And so Jesus somehow, and we're gonna see this as the text continues, that these two ideas are not enemies of each other. Instead, they are married to one another. That Jesus is the most holy and he's also the most loving, all right? And he is our leader and he is calling us into this mission where we are pursuing holiness and at the same time, we are pursuing love, all right? Let's see uh, verse 17. Since you, have, since you call on a father who judges, judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He has chosen you before the creation of the world. He was revealed in these times for your sake." Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and your hope might be in God. Second reason we pursue holiness, right? Because you have been purchased with a great price, we pursue holiness. Now listen, this text points out that there was some stuff that has been handed down to you from your ancestors, right? Maybe in your family, maybe it was like a way of thinking and you grew up in a racist or a sexist environment. Maybe for you it was an addiction. And as far back as you can see in your family history, people struggled with alcohol. Uh, maybe for you it was an attitude. And there's just been kind of an angry and mean spirit that, that has been handed down from generation to generation. And here is what Peter is saying. You have been purchased out of that slavery and bondage by the precious blood of Christ. And he has chosen you. And here's what that means. The blood of Jesus is stronger than the blood of your family line. The blood of Jesus is stronger than the blood of your family line. That means by his spirit and through his blood, you can overcome your family history. You can overcome your family history and you can pursue holiness and you can pursue the way of Jesus with, with, with disregard to, to, to what you came from. It means that everybody in your family has been angry. Through the blood of Jesus, you don't have to be. Everybody's been addicted. Through the blood of Jesus, you don't have to be. Everybody, there was just this spirit of anger that permeates your family from generation to generation. The blood of Jesus is stronger. It's not that the blood of your family line doesn't matter at all. It does. It means something but the blood of Jesus is stronger than the blood of your family. And I want you to think, he says, I purchased you out of that. It's such beautiful language. I purchased you out of that. I redeemed you and I have a holy plan and purpose for your life. I want you to think about the, the last major purchase that you made. Probably part of that purchase was that you saw a thing and you had a bigger vision for it than the, the previous vision. So you may have walked through a house that was sitting empty and you fell in love with that house and you said, man, I've got a vision for this house that is bigger than it just sitting empty. We're gonna fill this house with our furniture. We're gonna fill this house with our children and we are going to create memories in this home. Maybe for you it was a minivan and you said, man, 
you saw that minivan, you test drove that minivan, and you said, I've got a vision for this van that exceeds just sitting in a lot that we're gonna put our kids in here and we're gonna create some family memories. I'm gonna take my kids to soccer practice in, in this van. We're gonna transport our kids all over the city to Decatur. And, and we, this van is gonna make a difference in our family. Maybe it was something simple for you like buying Legos for your kid. That's just near and dear to my heart right now. But that you saw them and said, these are just sitting in a box right now. I've got a plan and a purpose. They're gonna spark my child's creativity and passion and they're gonna spark a whole bunch of fun. Here's Peter's point. You have been purchased with an incredible price. The perfect blood of the lamb purchased you. And he didn't redeem you to send you back into slavery. He didn't redeem you to send you back into slavery. He redeemed you because he had a plan for your life that was bigger and better, a plan of holiness, a, a, a plan of loving different, of living different. And here's what I know about God. He is holy and he is love. And so he has a plan for your life that is gonna include those things in perfect harmony with one another. He has a plan for you that is holy and loving. Let's continue on, verse 20, 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, chapter 2, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you might grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good." Reason number three, we pursue holiness. Because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we pursue his holy way of life. Um, the fact of the matter is, once you've experienced something really, really good, it does tend to alter your behavior. Uh, a year ago, uh, we were visiting my sister in the Upper Peninsula, and uh, she was camping up there, and we were, we were staying in a hotel, and uh, they camp all summer long um, up in Michigan. It's just part of life up there, all right? We survived the winter, now we camp, all right? Um, and so they were up there camping and just one of the last days we were getting ready to go home and she made this offhanded comment about this place right near the campsite, this place has incredible donuts and incredible coffee. It's like, I've been here like five days, you're just mentioning this now. And she's like, you know, you might wanna stop on your way out of town and get one of these donuts. And so I, we stopped on our way out of town, we got donuts and coffee, and these things were legit, all right? These things were so good. The, the donuts were really, really good. The coffee w was even better. And we're planning another trip up there. We're gonna be there for the whole week, and we're gonna be camping up there uh, this summer. And I said to Cheryl, every morning, not some mornings, every single morning, I am getting up and I am going to that donut shop and I'm gonna bring back donuts to the campsite. Said so like every morning, every single morning. I know it's unhealthy, but I also know it's only a week, all right? So here's what happened. I have tasted and I have seen that these things are good and now my behavior is forever altered. But the tasting and the seeing comes first. So if you're here today and you've tasted and seen how good Jesus is, you've experienced his grace, you've received his Holy Spirit, you've studied his teaching, you've followed his example, he says, our lives are forever changed by that. 
and we pursue his holy way of living. And he gives us some examples. He says, in your quest for holiness, lay down all malice. Malice has to do with our thoughts. It has to do with uh, thinking about doing something evil to another person or, or, or something wrong. He says, no, we're gonna lay down all our malice. We're gonna lay down our deceit, which is mislead, all deceit is is misleading someone uh, for our gain. We're gonna lay down our hypocrisy. It's pretending to be someone else. We're gonna lay down our envy, which is an attitude, it's a heart of resentment toward another person for what they have. We're gonna lay down our slander, which is the desire to tear down another person verbally for my benefit. And really the very first part of this section lays down what the whole argument is about. If you look at verse 22 again, he says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so there's all this holiness language, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one, one another deeply from the heart. And everything that comes after this, to not living in deceit, malice, envy, and slander, it is all just a failure to love. The other thing this verse does is it ties the idea of holiness, pursuing holiness and the, and the, and the pursuit of love, that since we have obeyed, since we have uh, purified ourselves, since we have done all that, now we have a sincere love for one another. And the word, uh, the, the word sincere here, it's a Greek word that describes someone uh, who was a really poor actor, uh, but they, they were sincere, all right? And part of the reason they were a poor actor was they were so sincere. I, I was telling the staff this week, I was trying to think of somebody that fit this description. I'm like, who is like a poor actor uh, that I could really draw a parallel to. And I worked an uncomfortably long period of time to try to work Gary Busey into my sermon. I said, be the Gary Busey of love, right? But I didn't really feel like that worked very well, so I, I X'd it out. But um, it, it describes someone who was not a, a very good actor, but they were very sincere. And, and here's the deal when it comes to love. Maybe you feel this way too. It's kind of easy to tell when someone's acting when it comes to love, when somebody's pretending, and here's what's true for me, and I know it's true for you as well. I don't want to be a great actor when it comes to love. I want to have a sincere and genuine love for other people. How do you get there? He tells us. He says, since you've obeyed the truth, since you have pursued holiness, love, here's the thing about love, love will follow your obedience. Genuine, sincere love will follow your obedience. The Bible says this again and again and again. So it's like, man, your love will follow your obedience. Genuine love will always follow. Listen, genuine love will always follow our pursuit of holiness. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, when Jesus says, serve one another, when Jesus says, lay down your life, when Jesus says, show kindness, what he's saying is, man, obey first, obey that truth, and a sincere love for others will follow your obedience to God's word. You say, well, isn't that acting? No, it's not acting, it's taking action, but it's not acting, it's taking action and sincere, genuine love will follow our pursuit of obedience. The, the, the Greek word that um, uh, Peter uses in this text kind of carries with it the idea of intentionality, that we are being intentional in how we pursue holiness. We are being intentional in how we treat other people and then our love will follow it. Um, it reminds me of a line from Frozen 2, which I've seen a thousand times. The great theologian Olaf, right? Um, that uh, all you can do is the next right thing. All you can do is the next right thing. And Frozen 2 nailed it, 
right? That's really true, that we pursue holiness. We pursue doing the right thing. We pursue righteousness and love, love just follows behind obedience, right? Obedience leads and love follows behind it. So we just keep doing the right thing and genuine heartfelt love will follow. I say all this, I wanted to kind of uh, point out this marriage to you between holiness and love, because sometimes I think that we think these things are separate, that when we think about a person who's really pursuing holiness, we tend to think about, it's, that the holiness is something really cranky people have, is, is our mindset. That when you think about holiness, you think about the person that is angrily taking the stand. And, and sometimes anger does come into our pursuit of holiness. Sometimes it does, not always. And so the person that's always angry and always angsty maybe has a, has a problem. But we, this is just how we envision holiness. It's, it's the angry Christian um, whose uh, social media account is just full of angsty, angry posts. And when we think about that image of holiness, here's my overwhelming feeling on that. It's like, man, I think that person's doing it wrong. And probably when I say doing it wrong, what I mean by that is I think maybe they're pursuing their sense of holiness and not Jesus's. Because here's what I know. When I pursue God's holiness and I pursue through obedience, living the Jesus life, genuine, heartfelt love always, always, always follows. So when I make up my mind that, man, I am going to pursue the Jesus way, I'm gonna pursue first his kingdom and his righteousness. Love will always follow. They're married to each other. You can't separate them. So you pursue holiness, love follows. Think about Jesus. No one was more holy and no one was more loving. Think about the early church. They pursued the holiness of Christ. And you know how they ended up being defined? They ended up being defined by their love. That's what people said about them. They weren't, that people didn't typically say, look how holy they are. People said, look how loving they are, but they were both. Just holiness-led, heartfelt love pursuit. Holiness is a commitment to the Jesus way. And when we pursue the Jesus way with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love will always follow. Always, always, always. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his example of holiness. We thank you for his example of love. And may we be a people that pursues his righteousness, that pursues his holiness, that pursues his way. And in the process of pursuing holiness, may we find that our love follows and that we radically and passionately serve and love the people around us. Help it to be so in our community. Help it to be so in our church. Help it to be so in our individual, that we will, as individuals, that we will leave this place ready to pursue your holiness and that we will be rest assured that your love will follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have a communion under your seat. Uh, bread represents Jesus' body. The juice represents his blood. And this is an opportunity for us to just kind of think about his holiness, to think about his love, and to be, to, to, to be ready to leave this place and say, man, I want to pursue I want to make the decision to pursue his holiness, resting, resting assured that love for others will follow right in close pursuit, that they are married to one another. One's not going where the other is not going, right? They're, they're, that, they're that married couple that will not separate. They all they go everywhere together, right? Holiness and love are like that couple, that they go everywhere together. And so this is an opportunity for you to thank God for his holy example found in Jesus Christ. 
to thank him for his love, that he was perfectly holy and he was perfectly loving and that we wanna be committed to the same thing. That sometimes there is a tension that comes with this. It's like, man, I wanna take a stand for holiness. I wanna take a stand for righteousness, but I also wanna be loving to my neighbor. And maybe this is a time where you pray, you feel that tension in your family right now. You feel that tension in the community right now. Maybe this is a chance for you right now to pray, God, would you give me wisdom? to know how to navigate those two ideas. So you're gonna have time. Um, uh, we're getting done actually a little bit early this morning. So you have some time just to spend with your, your father, to, 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 to spend with God. And whenever you're ready, receive communion. And, and that's the end of the service. Thank you so much for coming. Pursue holiness, love will follow. God, uh, love you guys. And I, I will see you soon.